I've recently become obsessed with what I call a linguistics problem, maybe the greatest linguistics problem of our age. And it is, I want you to rank or at least tell me the most important word in this series of four words that I'm about to say. What's the most important word? Are you ready? All right. Yes. Teenage, mutant, ninja, turtles. Oh, it's got to be mutant. You think so? Okay. Interesting. Why is that? Yeah. But if they were just teenage turtles, that would be boring. (laughs) That's true. They'd just be crawling around eating lettuce. But they're ninja turtles. Yeah. It wouldn't happen without the mutant. Mm. I mean, do you know how slow they would be if they were ninja turtles? I'm going to get you (laughs) with my katana blade. Okay. That's a good point. I've been... This has been a divisive question. This is the new, like, no. is the dress blue and black or white and gold <laughs> kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is, God, I have asked a number of people this. I just was sitting at a at a bar with some friends and they were all watching a, a soccer game. And so I was like, I cannot be bothered. I have to think of something more fun to focus on. <laughs> sure. Uh, I asked the question and everybody had a different answer. Like everyone picked a different word. And I pick turtle because okay. I think for me, it's the most interesting thing about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the fact that they are turtles. Like <laughs> if, if they're just mutant, like if you, or if you take that word out, like mutant teenage ninjas is a whole different thing. It's just like blockbuster employees with webbed toes who like bought a <laughs> katana at the mall. Or, well, it's, it's X-Men. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's. It's yeah. Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. It is something that's been done before. The turtle is the zag, is the twist. But the your point is mutant is also the big twist because they're not they're nothing without mutant. Teenage, I right. think you could lose pretty quickly. Sure. That's like add some fun flavor, but that's like eh, okay. And, right. You know. The the someone said ninja is the most important because it's the only thing that they could choose. What? What do you mean? Like, they didn't choose to be turtles. They didn't choose to be mutants. They didn't choose oh. to be teenagers, but they got to choose to be ninjas. And the so what's most chose. important to their identity, to themselves, I guess, is the ninja part. Or did Master Splinter manipulate them yeah. to be ninjas? It's like What it's... if he was a gymnastics instructor? <laughs> it's, not, it's not my dream, Dad. This is your dream. This was your dream for me to go to state for football. This is your dream for me to be a ninja. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. If you took away, like teenage doesn't matter because instead of like Michael and if you took teenage out. Yeah. Like instead of Michelangelo craving pizza, it would be like Ozempric or something. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's so many things that that's a, yeah, that's a wasted adjective. You dudes got any Bengay? <laughs> oh my sciatica it'd just be like four turtles sitting around complaining about oh my knee today what oh the weather must be changing senior mutant ninja turtle what do you mean skateboard i can't skateboard you see my knees come on yeah it, yeah they'd be doing wheel, wheel wheelchairs instead of skateboards we'll be living in the sewer because we don't want to pay taxes come on oh so good. So stew, stew on that. That's that's your that'll be your brain teaser for the week. This is <laughs> right. not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast, although at some point maybe it will be. This is Fascinators. Welcome to Fascinators. It's a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to weird and wonderful people, concepts, and stories that send us down the rabbit hole. Each week, myself, Evan Atkinson, and my dad, Ken Atkinson, tell one another about something that is currently fascinating us. So, Dad, what's been on your mind? You know, so we have touched on this topic okay, on over 25% of our podcasts. Oh, ooh, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a deeper dive. Can I guess? 
You can. I can even give you the podcast that we talked about it if that helps. I'm just. I feel like we talk. We we talk about grifters a lot. You bring up Ooh. Genghis Khan a good bit. The Romans show up. Excuse me, Kublai Khan. Okay, sorry, Kublai Khan. Wow, see, but I prefer Genghis. Okay, most most of the Western world did not. I, gosh, I don't know. Am I close with any of those? No, and I love how you all pick this the old timey history stuff that I always bring up. Is it what I I weirdly talked about cryptocurrency a few times, which I'm not proud of. (laughs) But oh, right. it shows up in everything uh, from saunas to uh, orbs. That's right. Okay. So here, I'll give a list of the ones that we mentioned. It in, okay. Okay. Um, and these are the titles of the podcast. Okay. But we've mentioned this topic that I'm, I'm going to talk about. So playing cards with Kublai Khan. Okay. I'm a robot wars son, but a battle bot's rising. Okay. In life, one sometimes makes bad arms deals. Oh, what? How to eat a murder of crows. Yeah. It's a wonderful life for Tom Bombadil. What not to wear to the North Pole. History is written by victors and Shakespeare. Okay. The library, or this library, is brought to you by the letter T. Is it something to do with the written word, I'm imagining? It's not. Oh, my God. Okay. It's so bizarre to me. Is it Paul Giamatti? Should it be? It should be. Okay. What is it? Oh, that's so good. My topic is the moon. The moon. Yeah. Okay. So, get this. Here we go. In the last five months, Uh four countries have sent unmanned lunar landers or rovers to the moon. What? Yeah, in the last five months, four countries. I feel like and I we have heard about that. No one has sent, yeah, no one sent anything since like the Apollo missions. So, like 50 years ago. Yeah. All of a sudden, four have showed up in the last four months. But what's it, huh. well, and, and what's amazing to me is that it takes so long to plan like decades of budget battles. You have political infighting for all these countries. Oh, yeah. Years of planning, there's thousands of workers like innumerable calculations and, of course, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And the target targeted landing windows for the four countries were all condensed and compressed into five months. Was there any discussion just, uh, be- between countries? No, oh, no. It was like a modern-day space race. Wow. Okay. And they're, they're prepping for some things. Hmm. Which, so, okay, so here's, so that's my headline is, in the last five months, four countries have sent these lunar landers. Oh, that's crazy. Here's a spoiler, here's a spoiler alert. The moon was having none of it. <laughs> okay. So we go all the way back to August of 2023. So five months ago. Yeah. Russia's Luna 25 was- Good name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Luna 25 is supposed to land on the moon, and it was kind of a space race. Because India's Chandrayaan, I believe Chandrayaan 3, was scheduled to touch down just like days afterward. So Russia was just, they're going for it. Space race. So Luna 25, Russia's spacecraft, was set to land on a Monday. It lands two days early on a Saturday. Oh, my. Which if you know all this planning and stuff. Yeah. Two days. I mean, you're talking seconds. Yeah. With this stuff. So, quote unquote, lands two days early. So, uh-huh. I can imagine. So, Roskomos is the Russian, like NASA okay. for Russia, Roskomos. So, I, like, I can imagine them telling, like, their engineers, you know, hey, go home. Enjoy yeah, take the, the weekend. weekend off. We'll see you on Monday. Come back. Yeah. We'll see you bright eyed and bushy tail yeah, for super duper Monday. And we're going to need yeah. you back. So, Saturday, the boss, Gets a call, and of course, in my mind, he's playing chess in a bathhouse yeah. while drinking vodka. Mm. And they're like, "Hey, boss, we landed." <laughs> and the guy's like, "Wait, what? That's two days early." And so, remember all that innumerable calculation stuff yeah. I opened with? Maybe it's innumerable and one calculations. <laughs> Luna twenty five crashed, Ooh. and so I can tell. Well. The reason is, quickly, 
apparently an entry rocket burned for an extra 60 seconds. And so it was supposed to enter orbit around the moon and it didn't go at the right angle. So it was actually pushing towards the moon. Mm -hmm. So it didn't get into that rotational, you know, gravitational pull and the rotational pull around the moon. So it just crashed. And so, but here's Roskamas' statement, NASA's statement for Russia. The apparatus ceased to exist as a result of a collision with the surface of the moon. (laughs) That's That's great. That's a big statement. And it, oh yeah, so good. And so like in the news, like their visual news, not the newspaper, but the TV news, like it was like buried. They did report it, but it was like number eight on the lead Mm. story. And they did like a four minute thing on like celebrating Russian soldiers and like their parades and stuff. And then they did like a 25 second bit that ceased to exist because of a collision (laughs) of the moon. Back to you, Vladimir, (laughs) with the weather. That's big. Oh, big like spin on that title. of. Oh my gosh. Crazy. So as I mentioned, they were racing against India and that's the Chajaran 3. Yeah. So just a couple days later, well, more than a couple, like a week or two later, Chaduran 3, which is India's first spacecraft to the moon, it landed safely and it deployed its rover. Yeah, so good. And it does experiments for a lunar day, which is like 14 days on Earth. Okay. And then it shuts down because at night on the moon, it gets, it goes from like 200 degrees Fahrenheit to negative 250 degrees Mm. Fahrenheit. So it's like a... 450 degree swing. So most spacecraft that we send, and there haven't been many, they usually shut down at night, you know, just like a mini hibernation to protect the equipment. However, when the lunar day started, they sent a signal and it never woke up again. (laughs) It never, yeah, it never came out. But however, they did it. They did a lot of experiments in those two weeks and the landing drew 8 million concurrent viewers, and that's the highest viewership in YouTube history. Oh, wow. So they were so invested. So, I mean, that's a huge milestone for any country to do it. So, of course, the U.S. cannot be left out because if there's a space race, we're going to be involved. Mm -hmm. So NASA, yeah, NASA contracted with Astrobotics. So January of this year, it's Paragon 1, you might have seen. It launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida, and splashed down in the uh, Pacific Ocean 10 days later <laughs> on its way to the moon. So it was a 10-day mission, and it had a ruptured tank that was, like, pushing out propellant. So, like, imagine, you know, when you release a balloon that you blow up and you release it into room, it just kind of fizzles around. Yeah. So that's what happened. However, so, but to counteract that, they had to use all the engine fuel to make sure that it wasn't. So it ran out of fuel. Mm-hmm. And so they sent it back down to the Pacific Ocean to uh, crash near Australia. <laughs> and so Astrobotics, their CEO, here's his quote. It's certainly going to have some impact on our relationships and our ability to secure, to secure additional missions in the oh. future. <laughs> hey, do you think? We might have some daisies. problems. Yeah. So. Last week, Japan became the fifth country. They landed their first lunar lander. Okay. And again, it's the fourth in five months. This is all coming down. Why have I not heard about this? I don't know. At all. I don't know. I've been paying attention to the wrong stuff, I guess. So the name of their lander is SLIM, S-L-I-M. Love that. Which is, yeah, which is Smart Lander for Investigating the Moon. I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't know why it's in English. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll have to do more research. I'll get back to you. So here comes the, here comes Slim from uh, (laughs) Japan. So it goes, so the moon is 240,000 miles away. So a quarter of a million miles away. Yeah. So it made, Japan made the closest landing to its intended target. They landed within three meters of where they're going. I mean, when you travel that far, yeah. so like all the other missions were within, hey, if we can get within like a couple football fields of where we're trying, that's a success. Yeah. They did well, within three Well, astrobotics landed in the ocean. It's, so it also, I believe, this is just me talking, 
It made the softest landing in lunar history. Okay. And here's why I think that. So as Slim is landing, it ejects two rovers. So it's coming down, shoots off a couple rovers. So this is what's awesome about these two rovers. One moves by hopping. Cute. And yes, adorable. And has most of the scientific instruments. And the other is the size of a baseball. And it's made by Tomy, which is that... a Japanese toy, toy manufacturer. Yes, yeah. Yeah, they made uh, Bakugan. Yes, okay. And others. So they literally made a Bakugan for the moon? Yes. <laughs> it is adorable. And it's and a joint venture with Sony. What? So they just, and it's mainly to test locomotion. Okay. And you should see this little rascal. It's like a little baseball and it pops open. It has kind of like two wheels. And I mean, it's adorable. So anyway, the actual slim module, the big thing, it doesn't respond after it lands. And so their space agency is called JAXA. Okay. And so it turns the two rovers, which both have cameras toward the module slim and it takes a picture of the craft and sends it back to the earth and it's not responding because the solar panels didn't deploy and that's how it gets its energy once it's up there mm. so the panels did not deploy because slim landed upside down <laughs> so that's why i'm like it's got to be the safest landing in history because it landed upside down and it's not damaged so that's the thing so it ran for a little bit because it does have a little battery pack. So it ran on electricity for a, a few days. Okay. And then it shut down because it couldn't get the, you know, it was upside down. So the solar panels, when they deploy, face upwards. That's, that's even harder. That's but, like getting a, like two pins when you're bowling is like the hardest thing to hit, even though it's a yeah. low score. So they make it the closest landing ever. After a quarter million mile journey, they land right where they want to. But oopsie daisies, it's upside down. But here's the good news. Here's good news. And there's hope. Three days ago, engineers were able to get a portion of one of the panels partially open. Mm -hmm. And the sun's path across the lunar sky aligned. You know, just like us, you know, the sun is at different points in the summer and winter and stuff. And so it aligned. And so it got some energy. So it's back up and running partially. And so if it can keep that energy, it can continue its mission. So there's hope. There's okay. hope with the Japanese lander. So if you're keeping score at home, that's the moon four. Yeah. Spaceships zero. That's, that's so fun. That's like the, that old joke about like a, a bunch of idiots are trying to fly to the sun and they're in a press conference and they're like confident that they're going to make it and someone asks them how they're going to do it and they say we'll fly at night <laughs> it feels like a lot of that energy with this i d i didn't know any of that was happening i didn't know how bad it had gone yeah so okay there's more yeah <laughs> so here's the conspiracy that i'm starting today great good the last country to successfully land on the moon was China in 2019. Okay. So did they install moon-based lasers? <laughs> or here's my other thought. Okay. Maybe Transformers Dark of the Moon was a it's documentary. True. It is true. Yeah. That do the documentary Transformers Dark of the Moon. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's why we're sending, we Earth is, are sending all these things to the moon. The official story is that a lot of countries are going to do a lot. U.S., Russia, and China already have plans to do manned space mis missions. The U.S. is going in like two years. Yeah. They may not after Astrobotics goofed yeah. it. Get a different contract, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Oh, shoot. They'll probably bring in SpaceX or something. So the... So that's the main mission. They want to go test all these things, figure out if there's water, because if you have H2O, you can separate them, get hydrogen, get oxygen, oxygen to breathe, hydrogen, you can get a power base mm -hmm. up there to get power. The other side, they don't mention as much, but I think has every bit to do with why com countries are sending is minerals, resources. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, something we really don't have on Earth is called helium-3, and it's worth $4 billion per ton. 
Whoa. And it's, it's a type of helium. And I don't know enough about it, but it's used in cryogenics, but like cryogenics in the form of like supercomputing and quantum computing. Okay. That makes sense. So, yeah. And of course they have the rare earth, we call them rare earth materials, but they have them there. I mean, we're- <laughs> They're normal uh, moon materials. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the moon and earth share basically the same minerals and, and that's how the moon was formed. It was part of earth. And then they think like Mars came in and rocketed in and biffed off a piece of earth and, you know, it went up and became the moon. So now I go on to some asteroids and factoids. Okay. So there are 193 countries on earth, as we know from a previous episode. Yes. 193 countries on earth. There are 206 bones in the human body. There okay. are 209 moons in our solar system. Oh. Isn't that bizarre? Almost 300 moons. So of the 290 moons, 289 have proper names. Interesting. Of course, ours is just the moon. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, which I'm against this. Like we figured it out with the sun, you know, like we have the only sun. Even yeah. though it's a star, we don't call our sun the star. Yeah. And so I, we need like a petition or something to come up with. What do we name this moon? It needs a proper name. The moon. Our moon. Yeah. No. Like Mooney McMoon like, face. Yeah, there you go. Something like that. So real quick, asteroids. Asteroids are rocks that orbit the sun. Comets are ice chunks that mm -hmm. orbit the sun. Meteoroids are space rocks. Meteors are shooting stars, which are objects going through Earth's atmosphere. And meteorites are meteors that, quote unquote, survived and landed on the Earth. Mm. So the importance of all that is an atmosphere. So every day, the Earth, through its orbit, plows through an estimated 200 tons of space rock. Jeez. And so they almost all burn up like shooting stars. That's what, that's what that is. Yeah. But the moon has no such atmosphere. So it's going through our same belt and loop throughout space. So there's a lot of rocks hitting. So it's something to keep in mind if you go to the moon. Oh, so no, that's terrifying. If you're just like, oh my gosh, up on the moon and then you hit, you're on the side that's like moving forward at any point. I'm sure that's part of these calculations. It, it is. And so one of the safe places is the moon used to be active when it was molten, when it was forming. So they have lava tubes there. Okay. And so that would be the place to go is if you're going to do a moon base, you just go into the old lava tubes because you're whatever X amount of feet down. Most of these are like dust size, rocks, pebbles. And so they can't penetrate more than you know, however many inches or feet mm -hmm. below the surface. The thing is, though, there's traveling so fast. Yeah, they're bumps. that. Oh yeah, yeah. Times a hundred. So, tides on water tides. So, what if I told you the tide does not ebb and flow? The tide does not go up and down. Interesting. Yes, technically, the continents pass or rotate through the tidal bulge which is caused by the moon's gravity. So we all know about gravity and moon and the you know, moon causes the tides. Yeah. So it's not really a function of the moon pulling the water up to land. It's that the moon is there pulling the water towards itself and we're spinning through that bulge. Whoa. So that's a little, yeah. Oh, that's uh, crazy. That is crazy. So I have to go a little... History, 1917, Code of Canon Law. It's from the Catholic Church. Okay. And it, st it states that any newly discovered land becomes part of the diocese that the <laughs> expedition set off from. So the Diocese of Orlando, that bishop, John Noonan, he presides <laughs> over Cape, Ca Cape Canaveral. He is the bishop of the moon oh. for the Catholic Church. What a job. What a... I, I'm, it's so... Like, I don't know, figurehead-y, but like, how great would it be? And another prayer for the moon. 
We're just yes. we're doing normal prayers, and then I also have to do a couple Hail Marys for the Martians. That cat, I would like, uh, once we get people on the moon, I'd say, like, I need to go visit my parishioners. Yeah. Put, put me on the next flight up. <laughs> so my my last little factoid. So three three months ago, Neil deGrasse Tyson, noted astrophysicist, you yes. know, he was on a television show and he made a startling admission. He said in college, he was a part of three different and distinct dance companies. <laughs> now, this is where it gets good. Yeah. So he's a stereotypical broke college student and broke dancer. He's yeah. like, you know, and some of his buddies in the dance company are making large coin on the side as exotic dancers. Okay. So Neil is hurting for some scratch. So he's like, I'm intrigued. So he checks out one of their shows in consideration. He's like, if I like it, I'm going to do it. So here's his quote from Neil deGrasse Tyson. They had asbestos lined jock straps that had been ignited with lighter fluid <laughs> and they came out dancing to great balls of fire. Brilliant. He goes on to say, quote, I'm embarrassed that only in that moment when I saw their genitals on fire, did I say, maybe I should be a math tutor. Classic Neil. That's classic Neil. So that's wow. my thing. We Over 25% of our podcasts, we've touched on the moon that's, in one way or another. That's a good statistic. Do you have like a database running for every like, oh, we mentioned Martin Luther in 35% of Right. See, we, did, we started off with a couple Martin Luthers, like the first two. I think we had a yeah. running little thing. But no, I started that. Oh, think what just with Japan. I saw the news about Japan landing upside down on the moon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, there's been a lot of activity on the moon. So that's how I picked the topic. And then I'm like, wait again. Yeah. We've talked about, you talked about the lunar cycle in your cards. That's why there's 13 oh. cards in a deck because of the lunar cycle. I'm like, oh, wait. When I was doing the Lego thing, I gave a stat about how many Lego it takes to get to the moon. Wow. And, you know, just little little things like yeah. that. Just little touches of the moon. So that's a minimum of times. I mean, you talked about the Explorers Club, how you can get a flag planted on the, on the moon. And an oligarch who owns the moon rovers that were left up there from yeah. the 70s. And uh, yeah, so just funny little things that we've we've touched on. So that's what fascinates me. That um, is, it's meta. It's been the through line. That's <laughs> so true. But I'm excited and curious what's been fascinating you lately. Oh, I'm still, I'm still stuck on the fact that you referenced Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon in context. That yes. is... I'm going to think about that for the rest of the day. That's, oh my gosh. No, that's nuts. Would you go, would you go to space? No. Same. D don't yeah. need to. Don't feel any. Uh, no, it's, so it's twofold. We have a molten core, which creates a magnetic field. So the moon and Mars do not. So oh. what that causes is when you see solar flares coming yeah. from our sun, that is just a burst of radiation coming at us. Yeah. And so that's why you get, when it hits the earth, you get the northern lights or the southern lights. So if you don't have that, I mean, you think about when you go outside in the summer, you get a sunburn, suntan, multiply that times whatever your figure. And that's, I mean, you have like days, weeks to live. Yeah. You know, and so if you have like just a tear in your suit, Anything like that. And then the other is that that space stuff. It can be like screws and nuts and bolts from spacecraft if you're in a low Earth orbit. But just these rocks that I mentioned, and it doesn't have to be a rock. It could be an ice rock. But they travel so fast. I mean, we're talking thousands of miles an hour. If something like that hits your spacesuit or your quote-unquote building on yeah. the moon or in Mars. So that's why you have to go deep underground uh, for safety from that. And it also controls the temperature if you're underground. But between radiation and flying debris, I am not going to space. That's a very, that's a very well-reasoned answer. Mine is just too scary. Don't like it. 
Don't don't need to mess with it. Not interested. No trees. Well, that's right. crazy. I'm talking about something I think decidedly more historic than your topic, which is surprising. Brilliant. Um, but I want you to think for a moment. You're put yourself in the in the place of an immigrant coming to New York City in the late 1800s. You're pulling into New York Harbor and you see something and you're like, you know what? I've made it to New York. What are you looking at? Statue of Liberty. For a little bit, that wasn't the answer. And we'll come back to that at the end. But Ellis Island? Ooh, it sounds close. I'm gonna start I'm gonna zoom back a few years. Um, okay. Yes. I love it uh, already. Our story is gonna start in a in a little desert town with a miraculous birth on the 25th of December, 1860. Jumbo the yes. elephant was born in the Sudan. So Jumbo the elephant, much like Bambi, his mother was killed by poachers and the poachers bought little, little baby Jumbo and sold him to a man named Lorenzo Casanova, which is such a good Italian name. So good. Uh, he, well, how, the, dark is, how dark is Disney? Oh, very. Yeah, that's... Well, speaking of Disney, I'm sure you can guess where Dumbo comes from. But Jumbo was sold to this guy Casanova. He's an Italian animal dealer and explorer. Um, Casanova then sells Jumbo to uh, Gottlieb Christian Kurtzberg's Menagerie Kurtzberg in Germany. Kurtzberg then sells Jumbo to the Paris Zoo, the Jardin de Plantes, and then Paris sells Jumbo to the London Zoo in 1865 so it's been five years since he was found and he's been sold to four different people Um, poor little guy or not little at this point he was about 11 feet tall so he was massive that was to his shoulder (laughs) from the ground to his shoulder but he jumbo becomes an instant hit in the london zoo because he's an elephant and he's huge he was an African bush elephant, and he was in—he was tall for his age, in that species. He was so, just big boned. Yeah, he's just big boned. He's just a—it's it's a genetic thing. But the people of London are obsessed with Jumbo. Kids can come into the zoo, and the zookeeper will take you on an elephant ride around. The like he would constantly have children on his back. The kids of Queen Victoria would ride Jumbo's back around the zoo. It was just bedlam. Mm-hmm. While Jumbo was in the London Zoo, he broke both of his tusks on various pieces of equipment in his enclosure. And when they started to grow back, he would file them down on the stonework of his enclosure. So it's very, if you've seen Hellboy, a very Hellboy thing of just filing his horns down. But he's, he's getting exceedingly aggressive as time goes on as he's in the zoo. He's in the zoo for about, 15 years and his keeper this guy matthew scott is like he i think he's starting to go through this thing that elephants go through called must m-u-s-t-h which i oh, take no. hard to pronounce but must is it's like your uh, puberty essentially it's like elephant puberty and they just get really hormonal and angry um, why did you specifically say my puberty it's why you said it's it's kind of like your puberty yeah, did what I tell you, you Grandma happened? called me earlier? Who was <laughs> complaining? The general you. Oh, okay. And so they were like, he's starting to get a little rough, and the zoo starts to get nervous that an incident might happen, that he might buck a couple of these children off of his back, having, oh no, the wild animal that you've kept in your zoo is doesn't like carrying human children around. I'll um, be darned. So in 1882, Abraham Bartlett, who is the superintendent of the London Zoo, is like, this is getting kind of dangerous. Let's sell Jumbo. And who shows up to buy him but a man named Phineas T. Barnum. Uh, I was going to say, oh, it had to go back to Barnum and Bailey. Because those rascals would just do all the things. The the greatest showman and the worst offender of animal abuse. P.T. Barnum buys Jumbo for, at the time, is $10,000, which is 300000 today. And the guy's like, yeah, get this elephant off my hands. He's starting to get scary. P.T. Barnum's like, I don't know, probably twirling a mustache. But the P. 
people of London find out about this sale and they flip their lids. All of London goes crazy about losing this elephant. A hundred thousand school children wrote to the queen asking her not to sell the elephant, which is... Oh my gosh. It's so sad and adorable, but also, I mean, the elephant ain't y'all's, but it it does feel like Paddington a little bit to me of like, Oh my gosh. This is heartbreaking. You can't get rid of of, of the elephant. We love it. A lot of London goes into a panic because they feel that Jumbo would be a massive loss, a quote, massive loss for the British Empire. This this elephant is the best thing they got. Here's a here's a quote from a man named John Ruskin. He was a fellow of the Zoological Society in the newspaper The Morning Post in February 1882. I, for one of the said fellows, am not in the <laughs> habit of selling my old pets or parting with my old servants. Yikes. Because I find them subject occasionally, perhaps even periodically, to fits of ill temper, and I not only regret the proceedings of the council, but disclaim them utterly as disgraceful to the city of London and dishonorable to common humanity. So, oh my gosh. He's he's basically like I just because one of my pets or my servants Servant. is acting is acting up one day, I don't sell them. I keep them locked up in my house because I know that they'll get over it and I'll be He's a hero. Out. Yeah, what he a guy. He's a hero. So, the zoo gets sued because the the claimants are saying that they violated some zoo bylaws by trying to make the sale. The zoo even goes like, all right, we'll keep the elephant and tries to go back on the deal. But the court upheld, upholds the sale and Bar- P.T. Barnum never backed down. <laughs> he was like, no, yeah. I'm getting that elephant 100%. That's um, what I understand. What little I know about him. He was just the greatest showman, but very litigious. Like he mm-hmm. got what he wanted. And did what he wanted. Yeah. So icky. Yeah. Against he tore up each one of those 100,000 letters from children. Yeah. Used them for kindling. Yeah. So Barnum wins. He buys Jumbo and brings him to the U.S. Jumbo's zookeeper, Matthew Scott, moves to the U.S. to just live with Jumbo because he's like, this is my whole life now is hanging out with this elephant. So I'll just move to the U.S. And P.T. Barnum exhibits Jumbo in Madison Square Garden, which at this point was in Madison Square Park in New York, and earned enough money in three weeks to recoup the money that he spent on Jumbo. Make 300 grand. Yeah. In in today's money in in three three weeks. weeks. Just from elephant viewing ticket sales. In the whole 31-week season of the circus, they earned in today's money $52.6 million. What? Yeah. Or is 1.75 money at the time. 1.75 million. Which is still like, I can't imagine thinking in millions of dollars in the 1880s. In 1880s, right. Yeah, like that's that's enough money to finance the Civil War or like that's, I mean, well, yeah. that's so much money. Well, that's what I, I mean, that's what I think because the U.S. was in kind of a recession because we came at 20, it's only been 20 years since the Civil War yeah. in the 1880s. And so, I don't know. I think that one point, whatever, seven million is worth more than 52 million when you think of it that way. Yeah. That's was insane. All the money that people had, they were spending on seeing an elephant. <laughs> Two years later, it's 1884, or I should say one year later, in 1883, 15 people die in a stampede on the Brooklyn Bridge on opening day because as they're walking up the stairs, a woman trips and Someone sees her fall and goes, the bridge is falling. And Uh they panic and start a a lethal stampede. So a year after that, in 1884, Barnum has a bridge to sell you, walks Jumbo and 21 other elephants across the Brooklyn Bridge to try to prove to commuters that it was safe. Oh, my gosh. That was a What a stunt. He's a showman. It's such a stunt. It's still, when, when Claire moved up to... New York, like it's crazy thinking that the Brooklyn Bridge is um has has been there since the eighteen eighties. Um, hundred like a hundred and fifty years almost. Yeah. And it's still there. I mean, I've driven across it many times. It's still there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But like you you look at it and you're like, is that really as sturdy as I want it to be? But even then, right when it was built, people were like, There's no way. Oh yeah. Because they weren't used to it was one of the first suspension bridges 
So people weren't used oh, to the bridge sure. being that thin, not having pilings in the middle. No, like, oh, I could get that. Yeah, I see that. Maybe the longest unsupported span of any bridge. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, it, it certainly was for a while. It's also not built on bedrock on one side. They couldn't go down. They couldn't go down deep enough to hit bedrock. So it's just on this. They just like filled it in with stuff. I mean, it's anchored and been tested, and obviously, hundred and forty years later, yeah, it's anchored. But it was like super revolutionary. It's oh my god. Also, Brooklyn Bridge sidebar: the guy who <laughs> built it. Built the Raybling, John Raybling built the Raybling suspension bridge in Cincinnati. It looks exactly like the Brooklyn Bridge, which is very funny. Just like a little bit smaller. Oh, yeah. The He was doing it. They were building New Germany in Ohio. That's, uh, let me save that for a fascinator, actually. Just kidding. Uh-oh. Um, Wait, what year can I ask? It makes me nervous when someone's building a New, new Germany. Germany. Yeah, it's never good. This was 18, <laughs> 1850s, 1870s. Okay, so before the French vacation and stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I digress. Uh, on September 15th, 1885, <laughs> uh, P.T. Barnum's Circus is set up at this railway crossing in St. Thomas, Ontario. It was like a nexus for a lot of the North American railroads up there, so they would just kind of pitch their circus tent next to all the train tracks, and then people could come and go as they were traveling across the States and Canada and then attend you know, stay overnight, attend the circus. So it was a big moneymaker for them. And Jumbo finishes his performance for the night and his keeper is leading him to his boxcar to stay in overnight. And while he's on the way, Jumbo is hit by a train and dies. Wait, what? Yeah. No. Tragic. I was... This is, oh my gosh. When I first started looking at this story, I saw Jumbo was like 1860 to 1885. I was like, that seems short for... Yeah. And I knew he got sold to Barnum in 1882. So I was like, oh, Barnum probably, like he was just got <laughs> sick or something, but he gets hit by a train. No. Well, yeah, regardless, like you said, once you're with Barnum, you're on the clock. That's true. Yeah. The timer starts <laughs> now. Time is ticking. This is this, oh my word. So Barnum reported that Jumbo was leading a smaller elephant named Tom Thumb, which I think is a funny name, oh, no. to safety, but the train first hits Tom Thumb, derails, and then kills Jumbo. But the newspapers said that Tom Thumb actually just broke its leg and survived, and the train actually hit Jumbo. So I think there might have been a little bit of P.T. Barnum whacked the second elephant because of the broken <laughs> leg and said, oh, the train hit both of them. Dang it. No. I'll take that insurance money. So, well, it gets more tragic from here. So, uh, don't come off. Well, actually, I'm waiting for the turnaround. <laughs> There's a bizarre turnaround. Weird side note, though, I was talking to Claire about this, and she was like, I was talking about, oh, I'm telling this tragic story of an elephant. And she's like, oh, are you talking about the one from Irwin, Tennessee? And I said, no, what's that? And so, when Claire, my wife is a former camp counselor. And she would take her campers on rafting trips down a river in Irwin, Tennessee, down the Nanahala or the Nolichucky. Maybe it's the Nolichucky. It's one of the two. And they okay. would go underneath this bridge. And every time they would go underneath it, the ra a raft guy would say, oh, this is Elephant Bridge. It's named that because they hung an elephant from it. Hello. And what? <laughs> so an elephant in Irwin, and I Googled it, it's true. An elephant in Irwin, Tennessee got rowdy and killed a man in the town or like kind of like bucked him. And they apparently at the time in the in late 1800s, elephant executions were a thing. So the town got together and they, they passed a moral judgment on the elephant. It was always very they spoke about it in like he is a good elephant or a bad elephant. This is a bad elephant. And they hung him from a crane over the bridge, which it would not oh. be my first idea if I was to think about like what's the, the heaviest possible land animal. You know, what we should do is try to lift it right now while it's <laughs> fighting us. No. But tragic. So my question is, yeah, my question is, what was the guy wearing that's <laughs> riding the elephant? Yeah, but what what did it's he do to bring this his... on? Yeah, I can uh, blame the victim. But so that does not fit the crime, though. I speak for that. 
need a new Lorax that speaks for elephants. Elephants? Yeah. Uh, Sean yeah. Penn? No. There's somebody. There's somebody out there. Speaks for the elephants. Sarah yeah. McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. There we go. Sean Penn. I don't know what he's up to. Probably not that. In the eyes of a stranger. In the arms of an angel. It's close. Um, oh, is it? <laughs> That oh my gosh, um, that is brilliant. I meant to say. <laughs> anyways, it, during the late 1800s, Another. there's a ton of elephant executions. It's just a weird period in history. A lot of them are shot. Um, one of them's hung. One of them's poisoned. There's 64 elephant executions in the during uh, like a 30 year span, and uh. famously, one of them was electrocuted, and it was a marketing ploy during the alternating versus direct current wars between yes. edison and tesla yes and edison was like look at what tesla's doing it could kill an elephant so that's I, a whole other thing that. so jumbo our friend our hero oh, has yes. been hit by a train he's passed and after his death he was autopsied and sold for parts they found a lot of metallic <gasps> objects in his stomach including english pennies keys rivets and a police whistle <laughs> The skeleton of the elephant was sold to the American Museum of Natural History here in New York, okay. where it remains. So I so think- wait, how much? Do you know how much that clown Barnum sold the skeleton for? I have no idea. I didn't get that figure, but I'm sure. I'm sure he it, well, found a way to make I'm money sure, on this. I was going to say, I'm sure he, like you said, he sold it. Was he yeah. instead of like donated it? Right. Oh, so he icky, sells icky. the skeleton to the American Museum of Natural History. The heart is sold to a guy named Bert Green Wilder of Cornell University, uh, but okay. that guy loses it by 1940. So I don't. Wow. I need to do more research on who Bert Green Wilder is, why he bought an elephant heart, and how he lost it. But was it part of his avocation, or was it like person? Like I'm hoping he was like a professor at the university and bought it for research, or as opposed to like you know. Putting it next to his figurines. He, I just Googled him. He's an American comparative anatomist. Okay. So All right. He, so oh, I he have was, some hope then. He was the person to, he was the person who came up with the idea of a neuron. Oh, what a um, boss. In the brain. Okay. All right. All right. So, or hey, I, I have some hope. My first hope I've gotten from this story. <laughs> he, ooh, he served in the Civil War. What side? Massachusetts. All right. He wrote a book called What Young People Should Know, which I got to know what oh is gosh, included in imagine? that. And a species of Brazilian snake is named in his honor. All right, Burt Greenwilder, you, you're all right. But he lost Good. an elephant heart, so minus 10. <laughs> well, um, how big could it be? It just probably somewhere behind a desk. Well, it was Jumbo's heart. File. So it was so big because he loved those kids. Jumbo's skin was stuffed and no, come on. Traveled with Barnum Circus for two years before oh. it was sold to Tufts University, where it was displayed in the P.T. Barnum Hall until a fire burned it down in 1975. You might recognize Jumbo is the Tufts mascot. Oh, I did not know. Which I didn't know either. When the skin was stuffed, it was sitting in this lecture hall and uh, the school superstition was you're supposed to drop a coin in its nostril for good luck. Yuck. The ashes of Jumbo from the fire are kept in a Peter Pan crunchy peanut butter jar in the office of the Tufts athletic director. Why? I do not know. What? Why is it in a peanut Why? butter can? Jumbo. What happened? So, like, this I... is so tragic. <laughs> it's really sad. But good news Dumbo was based on Jumbo. Okay. <laughs> you just change a letter, I guess, and make it fly. So we got a great Disney movie out of it. But Jumbo also served as the model for several elephant-shaped buildings built in New York and New Jersey. The first one was called Lucy Wait, the Elephant, and it's actually still around. Models huh? for buildings? Buildings. So I there's don't understand. <laughs> an elephant-shaped building that's still around. It's in Margate City, New Jersey. It's uh, the 12th largest statue in the United States. And it was built in 1882, so right when Jumbo gets to the U.S. by an architect named James V. Lafferty. And then three years later after that, James is like, people are loving this elephant building. Let me build an even bigger one. And <laughs> yeah. builds a building called the Elephantine Colossus on Coney Island. 
and he builds this in 1885, two years before the Statue of Liberty is erected Uh, on Liberty Island. So when immigrants were arriving to New York in the late 1800s, they would see a 100-foot-tall sculpture of Jumbo the Elephant, and they knew they made it to the United States. Oh, I can't even with this. I can't even. What? So James, the architect, found a niche of building buildings or structures, I guess, to look like elephants. Yeah. And that's what my ancestors saw when they came over was an elephant. We're like, honey, we're home. A big elephant building. It's 122 feet tall. The Statue of Liberty, for context, is 151. So this thing's huge. Massive. It's oh my how, gosh. how many feet is a story? 10 feet? So it's 12 stories tall? Yeah. It's crazy. It was a big attraction on Coney Island for a while. It fell out of use. It became a brothel for a few years. It's the basis for... <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's the basis for the Moulin Rouge stage <gasps> production the like the lead the female lead in that her dressing room is at the top of a brothel in a giant elephant statue oh okay but it's crazy and then the uh, elephantine colossus the big one caught fire and burned down it was out of use for several years and eventually burned down on coney island but it was i saw a like newspaper article of the building burning and it's one of the scariest images it's like a painting, oh, but it's like fire yeah. coming out of the eyes and the mouth of a giant elephant no. while people run in fear. I don't want to see it. But that's that's my story. Also, credit to a friend of the podcast, Emily Lamb, for that idea of talking about Jumbo the elephant. We got drinks the other day, and she's like, have you heard about Jumbo? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The biggest thing I almost forgot to mention. This one's good. This <laughs> well, is positive. They, okay, good. I was going to say, like. They hunted down all of Jumbo's family and yes, slaughtered yeah. them. No, they did that before he went to London. Jumbo, the elephant, is the origin of the adjective Jumbo, like a jumbo jet, jumbo, oh, whatever. What? It's, it was the first time it was used to describe a size, was they were like, that's as big as Jumbo the elephant. That's a jumbo jet, jumbo meal, jumbo whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. That's what I'm going to take away yes. from this one. Otherwise, I won't be able to sleep at night. That story was jumbo depressing. No. It's, oh my gosh, that was um, depressingly fascinating. (laughs) It's so good. From shooting to the moon to poaching an elephant. I don't know. No, no, that's amazing. I mean, that's a thing. History is amazing and bonkers and all these characters that we talk about and the origins of war. I mean... No, that's amazing. That's shout out to Emily. <laughs> it's dare I say it, fascinating. Oh um, my gosh, so good, crazy. Well, that's all we have this episode. But as always, stay tuned, follow along. We'll be back at you in two weeks. You can follow the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Also on our Instagram, Fascinators Pod on Instagram. Rate the podcast review. We always appreciate it. Tell your friends. It's a good time. We certainly have a blast making it. But that's it for this episode. Dad, what do we always say? Good day and may the good news be yours. Unless it's about elephants. We'll see you all next time. (laughs)